hey, I, whenever I have questions about the law, there's only one person I call, and that's Jack Rice. Jack Rice Defense. He's the best defense lawyer in Minnesota. He was actually just criminal defense attorney Jack Rice selected as the 2023 Minnesota Super Lawyer. Nice. And, of course, he is all over TV right now, and he looks great, too, which is just amazing. Couldn't be happier for him. He has a, He's out there on a lot of cases. You've been covering a lot of cases on TV right now, right? Well, it's weird. I mean, I'm busy on my own. That's the thing that's strange. I mean, I just, I just walked out of a courtroom about 10 minutes ago. So as a result of that, it's kind of like I'm, I'm working. And so this yeah. is one of those things. But I like it. And, and you're my friend. We've been yeah. friends forever. So this is awesome. I am very grateful. Thank you very much. Because, I mean, when this whole thing came down with Trump, the only person I wanted to talk to about this was you, because you understand the law of all of this. Now, Going to what's going on, I mean, there's a lot of experts who are on TV and talking about, oh yeah, this is a slam dunk case. Is you know, it, after you've seen the evidence, after all this goes on, do you agree that this is pretty much an open and shut case that Trump is guilty and it's very going to be very difficult for him to get out of this? I don't believe anything until I see it. Okay, and I, I just don't because the thing is, is that what you really want in a case like this is to be as apolitical as possible. But the problem is is that we live in a political world, and I'm a political girl. And so as a result of that, uh, it's important that I think what we have to do is let this process work itself out. But, Matt, if we think about this in the really broad sense, this is the thing, and this is the part that makes this so scary to me, is that if we think about the criminal justice system, we think about, uh, about the legal system, uh, the legal system and the criminal justice system is literally what binds a society together, because what it says is that there is a rule, and this a rule applies to everybody, and we all sort of lean into it, and that's what sort of keeps us together. But if you look at how the country is saying this, check out, check out some of the numbers. According to a CNN poll, they, they talk to a large group of people, 60% of all adults thought that the charge was appropriate. 76% agreed that it was political that played a role in it. 31% said the indictment actually strengthened democracy, while another 31% said it weakened it. So if we think about what this means and about the concept of rule of law, this is disastrous because it sort of represents where we are, where the answer is that it doesn't matter what the law says. It doesn't matter if there is a due process. Apparently, it doesn't even matter if the lawyer, excuse me, the judge who's overseeing this was a Trump appointee. Now think about that for a second. Mm -hmm. That is an extraordinary indictment at where American society is as it applies to the issue of American jurisprudence. If we were to take the politics out of this, let's say this was a corporation, they had secret documents right. that were not supposed to be shared, and all of a sudden the same evidence came forward, including boxes of the, you know, private corporate documents that were not supposed to be shared, stored in a bathroom and in a ballroom and stuff like this. If there was no politics in this, is this, you know, once again, you know, would it be much more of an open and shut case? This is a strong case. Okay. I mean, I mean, I mean, it truly is. When we take a look at what special counsel Jack Smith did and with his team, they were very, very specific about what they were doing. And in fact, this is a 49-page indictment. There are 37 counts. And in fact, it's online. And I would argue that everybody should read this. If anybody's criticizing it, you should read it. If you're not criticizing it and you think it's great, you should also read it. Because 
What this is about is a step-by-step process that showed how Donald Trump, once he left office, he had documents that he admits to knowing were not classified. He also knows that the U.S. government had the right to those documents, that that same U.S. government organization came to him and said, we want those documents back. And then Donald Trump hid them, lied to the FBI, even went to his own lawyers and said, can't you just take out some of the really bad stuff and just pluck them out? Mm-hmm. So what we're, what we're seeing here is very specific information, including photographs, including really specific pieces that really support an extraordinarily strong indictment. It truly does. You also are an expert in the clandestine services and secret intelligence agencies. Can I bring up this point as well? When they describe this stuff, it's not like there's one big file cabinet in the White House. It would seem to me that there was a concentrated effort to consolidate very specific pieces of classified information that would came from multiple different areas. I mean, that's the other side of this, which is really ugly, that this was not just, oh, here are some extra boxes. What do we do with them? Oh, those had the classified documents in them. These things are not stored in you know the same place in in similar. There was an effort to basically consolidate this before it was taken down to Mar-a-Lago. Well, you know, it's also interesting because if we think about what was described in this indictment, it would not surprise me if everything that was found was not included, because there may be some things that were found that were so ultra sensitive that they were refusing to even acknowledge them in a public indictment. And so they would exclude them for that reason. I mean, when you think about where these came from, CIA, NSA, DOD, Department of Defense, State Department, Department of Energy, um, the list goes on and on and on. And this goes everything from secret to top secret to something called SCI, which means sensitive compartmented information. What we have are three levels, really more than three, but three levels of classified documents, confidential. And usually what will happen is if you join the military, for instance, Matt, and I know you remember this, you, when, when, as soon as you join, you get that confidential uh, um, clearance. Yeah. And sometimes you get that secret clearance and sometimes it can go up from there. When you get to top secret, you're looking at really, really sensitive stuff. But above that, what SCI material means is very specific information that's designed for very specific eyes. So in other words, if you don't need it, you don't get access. So for instance, I had access to a lot of things when I worked for the Central Intelligence Agency. I still never saw everything. Yeah. The problem that we have here, though, Matt, is that as president of the United States, presidents have access to literally the top, 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 top end of, of intelligence, and sometimes even including the actual sources of, that docu- of those documents. So in other words, you were able to convince X agent who is located in this space to give this piece of evidence to you. And so what a president has the potential of doing, if they wanted to do something terrible, is to do about the worst thing that can possibly happen in the United States. And some of these documents are truly, truly terrible. And that's one of the problems that I think the intelligence community, the Defense Department and others are really wringing their hands over, because he actually had them, he was hiding them, 
and he was lying about it. And, and if I might add, there's a lot of people who've talked about Hillary Clinton. They've talked about uh, Joe Biden when he was vice president or when he was in the Senate. They've talked about Mike Pence when he was vice president. They had classified information. Why is it that, that Donald Trump is being treated unfairly? Why are they charging him? Here is the reason. We also know that Donald Trump handed back an enormous amount of documentation. He wasn't charged with any of that. None of that came as a result of charges. What he was charged with was the information that he kept and then lied about and then hid and then tried to get one of his employees to move around and even shared with people who weren't authorized to see it. Mm -hmm. And so all of that's in the indictment. Jack Rice, jackricelaw.com is where you'll find him. Let's go back to that element of it, because I did have a security clearance when I was in the military, um, and, yep. and, and I can't even comprehend the level of security clearance you have to have to see some of this stuff. It was stored. I mean, the photos do a lot of speaking for it in the bathroom, in the ballroom. Should be mentioned that these weren't secure areas. Should be mentioned that Trump was trying to get a, a an extension to where he could hire 400 foreign workers to work at Mar-a-Lago. This wasn't, I mean, this is, as the joke was made earlier in the show, this wasn't exactly, you know, a Tom Clancy novel. This is, you know, basically I've got a minimum wage job. I can go in there and just peruse all these boxes of secrets. I mean, it, it that's the, the thing which is egregious is this is, I mean, quite literally, anyone could have had access to these secrets. As, as much as he tries to say it's a secure area, there was no security at all. That's really the problem, Matt, mm -hmm. because when we think about accessibility, what we're really thinking about is this. If I'm a foreign intelligence service, uh, whether it's the Chinese, whether it's FSB, the Russians, whether it's DGSE, whether it's the French, I mean, whether it's if anybody. The thing is, is that what, what happens is the U.S. does a lot of things against a lot of people because our interest is ours. Now, some of these people are our friends and some of these people are not our friends. But we don't have friends. We have interests. Yes. And so as a result, as a result, we do a lot of things. And some of that information is never supposed to get out to anybody. The problem that you have here is that controlling uh, classified information means making sure you know exactly where it is and who has access to it. And so when you have boxes of this stuff just tossed in a bathroom someplace and you can't control who has access, you don't know who even got in there and got out. And so you don't know if this is compromised or not. You have no idea. But the worst part is that you almost have to assume that everything that was taken from the White House and left in these various places, and then again, hiding it along the way, you almost have to assume that it was. Yeah. Now, understand what that does to the operations that are ongoing, but understand what it also means right now when there's a whole bunch of people around the world watching this from afar saying, hold on a second, I might hypothetically have been approached by an American official or an American operative or an American intelligence officer, and they want me to do something, and I should do it. Why? <laughs> when you look at where this classified information has ended up, and the willingness of half of the United States to say, no harm, no foul. Well, guess what? In some parts of the world, if I do some of the things that may be asked of me, hypothetically, not only do I die, they kill everybody in my entire extended family. So think about what that means. This is so much bigger than Donald Trump. 
I mean, it, it just is. It's mm-hmm. so much bigger than one dude. It's about how you move forward when one dude or one, one individual of any kind does something stupid. You and I talked about when Dick Cheney outed Valerie Plame and the, 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 wow. the impact crater that left within the intelligence agency, that was one individual. These are boxes and boxes. Cause, and, and once again, some of this stuff on foreign governments, which means, that, like you said, you got to presume it's all out there. And if someone does get that information, they'll be able to track it back to exactly who got that information to us. Ah, uh, see, that's the bottom line when it comes to this, Matt. And I appreciate talking to you because we've, been, we've done this so long together as we mm-hmm. think about it. When we look at intelligence, and we look at sometimes raw intelligence, or, and what I mean by raw intelligence is actually the piece of information that they receive. Because what you'll find is in the intelligence business, you'll get a piece of intelligence, and then you turn that over to an analyst that can say, what does this piece of intelligence mean? The thing is, is the president has access to both. And so what can happen is if you have a piece of intelligence, the potential with somebody in the right hands can say, okay, this applies in my country or in some other country I'm interested in. Remember, the Chinese and everybody else, they're not just interested in what's going on in China. They're interested in everybody, just like we are. Mm -hmm. And so what the potential is, is you have the ability to track a piece of intelligence sometimes back to its original source, not just country-wise, not just region-wise, not just particular topics, but to actual individuals. Now, let's imagine what you can do with that. If it's your country, you can take those people down and everybody along with them. How about this? Mm -hmm. If you're another intelligence service, you track those people down and you turn them. And you turn them for your benefit, certainly not to the U.S.'s benefit, because we would do the same thing. And now they could be feeding us something else and giving them everything that they need. Because these people will say, guess what we know about you, and guess what you're going to do for us, frankly, anything that we want. Going back, one last question for you on the legal side of this. Obviously, Trump, his whole goal is to basically postpone this as much as possible, so I imagine everything he's going to appeal to the Supreme Court. And I imagine one or two of these will take some time to get up to the Supreme Court. But doesn't it eventually, to prevent this sort of thing from happening all the time, the Supreme Court and the appeals courts as well just rule very quickly and just say, you know, no, we see the game you're playing. We're going to have an instantaneous ruling. And so it may delay things a day or two, but not the months that it, w- it would do if he was, you know, on one or two things going up to the Supreme Court. You know, it's a wonderful question. We started this conversation, you and I, about the idea of politics and politics in the legal system. And I think when you realize where we are right now, A lot of people have really started to question the viability and true independence of the U.S. Supreme Court. And they really are the final arbiter of what the law is. This goes all back to Marbury versus Madison. This is how the U.S. government works. The problem that we have noticed is we have seen the overturning of precedent and the willingness of some, at least it appears to be, within the the, the U.S. Supreme Court to actually go a particular direction. And so the fear among some is that what you're going to see is a potential conservative majority. And by the way, it's not just a 5-4 majority. It's actually quite a bit more than that. It's more of a 6-3. Um, what, you're, what you're seeing is the fear that you may not get 
that arbiter that's truly as independent as they once were. Again, take a look at the numbers, 3131 about strengthening and weakening democracy. What happens if you get a Supreme Court who's more than willing to step up and do exactly what it is that a particular political affiliation would desire? We're going to be talking about this. This this court case is going to go on for a long time, and I imagine we'll have you back on the air to talk about it, especially if there's any breaking news on this. But you know, you know, once again, if if this was not political, that this would would they even go to court? I imagine they'd plead it out. It would be so much evidence against the individual. But as you said, politics they would, they would plead this out. Yeah, they would. They would plead. I mean, let's be clear. They would plead this out because we can look at what it is that happened. One, some several of these charges, by the way, which is ironic. Several of these charges were actually misdemeanors at one point. It was Donald Trump himself who drove and, and campaigned on the issue of making these felonies because he was trying to, uh, to beat the drum to prosecute a couple of people who had misplaced or misused uh, uh, documents. And he wanted to make the point that the intelligence community and the U.S. government was weak. And so they made these things felony. And now those felonies are actually being used against him um, for the very same reason. So it's Ironic, interesting, and here we are. Uh, well, and if I can ask, do you think his uh, co-conspirator on this will will flip on him? Oh God, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I mean. Yeah, remember, he had an employee. This yes. is his valet, who we actually, and this is all documented. That's the thing that's amazing about this. Really, if if you haven't read the forty-nine pages, it's not that complicated. I mean, take your time and just read through it. A lot of it is just really laid out simply. It's very specific of what he did. His co-conspirator, his valet, is just this poor guy who was doing what his boss told him to do, like many people probably would do. And frankly, this guy is now facing a federal indictment himself. And the idea of saying, you know what, we really don't want you. We want your boss. This is not something that you're doing because it's uniquely Donald Trump. This happened in every conspiracy case on the planet, from simple drug cases to anything more complex than that. Think of the mob. Think yeah. of anything else that's ever been done that, that's even slightly complex. You always fight your way and chew your way up the chain. And this is simply what we're talking about. JackRiceLaw.com. That's JackRiceLaw.com. That's where you'll find Jack Rice Defense. He's the best defense attorney in Minneapolis-St. Paul. Also, just really quick, when's your next TV uh, hit? Oh, I don't know. I, no, that's not true. I, I, that's not true. I, I'm on um, Court TV tomorrow afternoon, I think. All right. Make sure you're watching Court TV tomorrow afternoon for Jack Rice there and his great insight on those cases, too. Jack, an absolute privilege to have you on the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Always a fan. You know that.